Listen to this Bracken podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. I'm tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. There is no screw. We are at peace. Always. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 69. Yes, that's right. You have two 69s because we like the number 69, I guess. Last week, uh, we recorded episode 68 and I called it 69. I don't know. Just the way it was. I think because of short leave and all the mini episodes I put out, it kind of seemed a little bit more. But my name is Scott Herzog and... And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Yes, and uh, we are here tonight as diners bringing you a lot of dining goodness tonight. We have an awesome menu. I guess we're leaping right into the menu here, but we have an awesome menu tonight. Some really good feedback that we've gotten from a lot of you guys that are listening. Uh, so we're going to be talking about some of that feedback here. We have our trivia question. Some good Star Trek trivia that you will want to be privy to and hear the answer. Did I just say privy to? The, uh, but you'll want to hear the answer to and find out who won the good trivia. Also on the menu, we have, of course, some information regarding Dollhouse. That Dollhouse is going to be continued. We're going to tell you how that's going to happen. Uh, also in some TV news, we're going to talk a little bit about Warehouse 13 briefly because we're short in time here tonight. Uh, we'll bring you a little bit of news on the new Wachowski film, CN9, and why it might be called that, and what is CN9. And it's, and uh, we'll mention a little bit about uh, the Star Wars subway car, and uh, this is thanks to Don, who used to be one of the hosts earlier on the diner. And uh, we have the twist. Miles will bring in that, talk a little bit about Star Trek Twelve, the VSS Enterprise. We've talked about that in the show before. We, of course, are bringing you our interview with Christoph from Leviathan Chronicles, so you'll be want to stay tuned for the interview, and you'll want to stay tuned for his top five sci-fi soundtracks on the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So it's going to be a full show, a great show. We had a great interview with Christoph, didn't we? It was great. It was uh, like talking to an old friend. Yes, yes. Uh, and it felt like a typical sci-fi diner. I mean, we kept dropping Skype calls, uh, Kevin, Kevin, you know, except that wasn't you, Miles, this time. Uh, fortunately for, for me, it wasn't. But uh, unfortunately for Christoph, uh, uh, he was he was experiencing Skype hell on his end. Yeah, we, we blame it his end. It, who knows? Who knows where it's happening in the, the the Skype universe? Well, let's start off with some show news and listener feedback. And we had a few people uh, give some feedback here. And uh, let me go ahead and uh, just run through at least part of it. Here is uh, this was from actually Kalis, who we've talked about in the show before, and he's contributed to the show before. And this is what he wrote. He said, "Hello, gentlemen. I've been a trekker for years, but I've never considered going to a convention until now. Thanks for the ads, excellent video podcast, video cast from Shortly. I decided I have to make it to a convention someday. I especially enjoyed 
Ed and his droid. It's a bit of a scary thought, but when Ed makes a working lightsaber, I want his email address. I wish I had time and talent, not to mention the money, to make models like that. Keep up the great work, guys. And then he says something in uh, Klingon. K-pa. He gives us a, ra- a rounding uh, a kapa. Uh, a kapa, yeah. There you go. See, my Klingon's rusty there. Also, Dan from Arizona writes, thanks for the great podcast. That actually came in as a part of a he was one of our contestants in tonight's trivia. You'll hear about that a little later on. And uh, also, uh, Shaven uh, wrote, I've listened to a bunch of episodes. I always look forward to having uh, to hearing what's on the next one. All around a good show. Keep it up, guys. So thanks a lot for the positive reinforcement here that we're getting from some of you. Um, one other piece of listener feedback, and this was in response to our last podcast where we talked about the top – 10 most disappointing females in sci-fi TV. So check it out. Kevin Batchelder called in and left us this feedback about his thoughts about that same top 10 list. So let me go ahead and play it, and uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Hey, Scott and Miles. It's Kevin Batchelder from the Tuning It to Sci-Fi TV podcast. Just wanted to share some thoughts on the uh, article, The 10 Most Disappointing Female Characters in Sci-Fi, that was up on the uh, denofgeek.com website, which has some interesting articles from time to time. Uh, this one, uh, you know, had a few things I agreed with and a few not so much. Um, uh, for example, one of the early ones they mentioned was uh, D, you know, Duala from Battlestar Galactica. I agree with their summation that really this was a character where it was an opportunity lost. Not that uh, that character didn't play a part and the actress didn't do a good job, but I think we could have had a lot more of her and I think she could have handled it. It's too bad we really didn't get to go very far until the very end of the series, as you know. So that one I'm kind of in agreement on with them. Uh, another one they mentioned was uh, Shannon from Lost. I'm not sure I agree with them there. I actually think, you know, Shannon kind of served her purpose for the time she was on the show. Uh, not exactly a character a lot of people are going to like based on how she played out, but I, I thought it fit the story pretty well, so I, I didn't agree with them too much there. I thought that one kind of worked myself. Uh, Isabel from the 4400. Mm, not sure. I, I thought that one was okay. I didn't feel any negatives myself there. That was a bit of an odd story, but I thought it kind of worked, so I didn't worry too much about that one. Next one I disagreed completely on with them uh, was uh, Dawn from Buffy. Now, you know, right at this point, a lot of Buffy fans are rolling their eyes. Dawn was obviously not a popular character, kind of for a reason. I thought that's the way that it was set up to work there. And as anyone who's gone to any of the uh, Buffy musical episode uh, uh, stage plays and such that they do, uh, knows that we all love to to hate on Dawn that way, but I thought it fit the story pretty well. It was a cool way to bring character in. Uh, you know, she was supposed to be whiny and annoying, and, and I think that worked there, so I had no problems. Another one that was definitely an opportunity lost, I thought, was Maya from Heroes. That could have been a cool character, but that was right at the time, really, the show kind of to go off the rails a little bit, so I think they definitely missed something there. Uh, all they had her do was the same thing over and over, which, you know, got pretty stale, but the potential of that character was definitely there, so that's one where I agree with them as far as an opportunity lost. The final one I'll comment on is uh, a character I really liked, which is Martha Jones from Doctor Who uh, in the new series. Uh, I really enjoyed her as a companion. Uh, not that I didn't like um, uh, Billy Piper as Rose, but I thought Martha brought a good vibe to the show, especially after what happened with Rose. Um, they said it could have been developed more and that she kind of was a little too crushy on the Doctor. Yeah, but I liked her intelligence and the fact that she made the Doctor think. also liked the way that she crossed over into Torchwood, and she had a big part in that series uh, season finale there. So, you know, I kind of enjoyed her. I would have loved to have seen more. So maybe it was an opportunity lost from that point of view. But as far as how it actually interacted in the show, I thought I was good with that. 
So those are the ones I kind of caught my eye. There are a few others in there, but it's a good article, well worth the read, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Take care. Thanks, Kevin, for sending that in. And by the way, if you haven't ever checked out his podcast, he is a podcasting fiend over there at Tuning to Sci-Fi, the Signal Cast, Scape Cast, uh, Legend of the Seeker Cast. And uh, there's probably a cast in there missing somewhere, but uh, make sure you check out some of his stuff. But he he, he kind of rang, rang in on this top ten list that we talked about in the last episode. Uh, Miles, he talks specifically about Dwala as being an opportunity lost. Did you, did you kind of agree with that? Uh, I forget what you said last episode. I kind of did, but I understood that um, there's just so many other characters. It was just I don't think there was too many damn time. females in that show. Right, and even though I think she was one of the hotter ones myself, um, still, I, I mean, I think you just there wasn't as too much time to flesh out her character. Uh, maybe it should have been, but um, there was just so much else going on. Yeah, and then he goes Shannon. I've talked about Shannon from Lost, and I like Shannon from Lost. I have not seen how her character plays out because we're kind of mid-series right now. Um, but I'm not sure she's such a throwaway character, although I do agree that early on in the first season you're kind of like – Okay, eye candy, eye candy, that's it, eye candy, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So not a lot there. And 4400, you uh, you did watch that show. And did yes, you, I did. And how did you feel about the character that they talked about? Um, yeah, I, I, I agreed with Sarah. She was a little disappointing. Um, I, I think it was more interesting when, when she was still – the character was still an infant. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, it, I think they could have – it, it, I don't know. It just um, it didn't work for me. Right, and then of course, uh, well, Dawn from Buffy. But I've, I again, I don't remember this character. No, I watched some Buffy, but I was not a huge religious Buffy watcher. And neither were you, Miles, right? Right, correct. So I have no comment on that. So I, I trust your judgment, uh, uh, Kevin. So uh, you probably are right. Uh, and then uh, Maya from uh, from Heroes. We of course talked about that, and he mentioned how her character basically did the same thing again and again and again. It was kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, that that I would agree with. Yeah, I liked her. I you know I know people kind of ragging her, but I I kind of liked her and uh, the storyline that I follow with her. Okay, maybe not the best storyline, but there have been a couple stinker storylines in Heroes, and, uh, a and it's, it's, it's certainly yeah, it certainly wasn't the worst in my opinion. But I don't know. That's where I'm at. Thanks again for calling in, and leaving this feedback on the sci-fi, the five, sci-fi five and five. No, the uh, ten most disappointing female characters. And uh, anyone else want to weigh in on them? Uh, feel free to call in one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three and let us know what you think about the uh, characters that you are interested in or agree with, don't agree with, off that list. And Sarah, thank you for uh, contributing that list in the first place. Right, absolutely. We didn't say that in the last episode, but we do appreciate it. Do appreciate it. it. Gives us something to to chaw on. Oh, he also I did fail. Uh, he also mentioned Martha from Doctor Who. But Miles, you didn't watch Doctor Who. But Martha, I agree with you, Kevin. I love Martha. Give me some more Martha. Uh, maybe they'll <laughs> bring her back someday again. But I love the storyline of Martha, and I, and I too like the way they kind of brought her into Torchwood later on, and how that and how that worked. Well, let's move into our trivia for this week, Miles. Uh, the the, the what was – do you remember what the prize is? I don't have actually, actually written the show notes, but do you remember what the prize was? We are giving away the Starship Farragut animated episodes. Uh, so yes. a DVD copy of that. And the question mm-hmm. was about – do you remember? Yes. Question, it's a true and false question. The question was, did the character of William Riker, played by Jonathan Frakes, make an appearance on Star Trek Deep Space Nine? 
And uh, it's kind of a trick question there, Miles, because you say, did the character, did the character, yes. and uh, and the character did not. But who did make an appearance? Well, the character of uh, Lieutenant Thomas Riker, played by Jonathan Frakes, did make an episode, did make an appreciance in season three, uh, the episode Defiant. So, so it's really, kind of there, but but everyone answered it right, and the answer was, of course, Foss, as you kind of, and our winner is. Our winner is Hearn. So congrats, Hearn. Uh, I'll be contacting you on Twitter as to where I can send this DVD to you, and we'll be going from there. Uh, again, uh, if you ever want to contribute to the uh, the trivia, no new trivia this week. We'll have new trivia again next week because we do it. We give it one week and we give out the, we give out the prize next week and go from there. But you can call in 188-508-4343, uh, or you can email us to sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Well, let's move into our first promo and we're, uh, one of the things we have not mentioned, Miles, and, uh, and we should mention because they gave us a huge plug in their site this past week is that we are part of a network called the Lifestyle Pod Network. And, uh, and it, they do a couple of shows, actually more than a couple. They do about 20-some shows over there, and we're part of that that whole package. And one of the shows they do is called the Aussie Geek Podcast. Now, if you are into anything geeky at all, like any sort of tech, what's coming down the pike as far as tech goes, you got to check out the Aussie Geek Podcast. Here's a promo. Check it out. The Aussie Geek Podcast brings you the best from the world of technology. Each week, Dave, Kate, and Keith, the token Canadian, bring you the highlights from the week's technology news, along with great software finds and the best of the web. The geeks are joined by friends of the show who bring their own unique and global perspectives on the world of technology and the way we live in it. Join us each week for the Aussie Geek Podcast. Subscribe today in iTunes or visit us at AussieGeekPodcast.com. The Aussie Geek Podcast. Bloody awesome tech. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We are going to give you some real brief news. We're going to try and make this real quick because we have a ton of stuff that we need to cover here. And um, and we'll go from there. First piece of news is that we have some new Dollhouse stuff coming down the pike in the form of a graphic novel. So Dollhouse, of course, went off the air this past January, much to our dismay. And uh, it's uh, really a story that we that really was cut too short for what it was meant to tell. But we're going to get a little bit more of Dollhouse in a graphic novel form. The story really is, it's called Dollhouse Epitaphs. And the story is that this we really don't know much about what the story is on it, but we do know it will be included with the early copies, with pre-orders and early copies of the Season 2 DVD. And it's written by Jed and Marissa Whedon and will rock your tiny but lovable heart. This is a, way, this is a little blurb by it. So that's all we know about it. And the cover art looks cool. We're going to post that up on the website, sci-fi-diner.com, sci-fi-dinerpodcast.com, and, uh, and you can check it out. It looks pretty cool. It does. I can't. I'll, um, I'll look forward to getting a copy of it. Yeah. So tell me about Warehouse Thirteen Miles. Warehouse Thirteen is back, which we're very delighted about, um, and uh, we've seen the conclusion of uh, the cliffhanger from last season. Uh, we, we see how Artie has survived that explosion. Spoiler. And, uh, spoiler. But go ahead. <laughs> not a huge spoiler, but um, and we we see. Um, you can't have a show without Artie. 
Right. You can't have a show without Artie, and we, we see that, that there's there's some relationships been kind of damaged because of uh, 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 Lena was uh, forcibly coerced into helping uh, McPherson, and uh, but she's went impersonated uh, uh, Claudia, and uh, so everybody thought maybe Claudia was the, was the traitor, um, but it was neither was the traitor. It was just uh, being manipulated by uh, McPherson. So, uh, and and now it continues to uh, go off into new adventures. Um, and last week we looked forward. We had um, um, two characters from Firefly that were um, that was uh, last awesome. week's episode. That was obviously yeah. a shout out to Firefly watchers. It was. And, I mean, uh, you, when you have Kaylee and Kaylee and Simon Tan in the mm-hmm. same episode, come on. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm glad the show's back. I, I really enjoyed it last season, and I'm hoping I'll continue to enjoy it this season. Well, it has that same kind of comical, light-hearted sci-fi look at. At it, so I mean, it doesn't. It's it's almost. Maybe this is not an apt comparison, Kevin. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it almost doesn't feel like it's like a little bit of Doctor Who, the, the comedy of Doctor Who, um, and le- not real serious. And yet there are there's some serious drama that's happening, but it's really more light. It's more like a sci-fi comedy adventure. Yeah, it's yeah. It definitely it definitely. I don't want to say it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's not as heavy. Maybe heavy-handed to say it's a Battlestar Galactica or something like that. Right, right. All right, well, let's move into uh, movie news. We have one piece of movie news, and this is a new Wachowski sci-fi film called C9, and here's why it's called C9, CN9, I should say. And we, of course, love the Wachowskis because they brought us The Matrix and uh, V for Vendetta, which we loved, and then Speed Racer, which many people weren't real crazy about. But uh, we have a new movie coming out called CN9, and it ends up, and we're hoping uh, that, of course, it ends up with more like a, a major feel than a speed racer feel. And we're hoping it treats the subject, the relationship between the U.S. soldier and Iraqi in the near future sci-fi setting in a hurt locker kind of way rather than exploitatively. Um, but meanwhile, we're also struggling to understand what the frack the title means. According to word previews, the Wachowskis are already casting what will be a hard R movie with no word yet when the filming will begin. But what does CN9 stand for? The site speculates that the term may refer to the ninth cranial nerve, which is a glossopharyngeal nerve, excuse me about that pronunciation, related to the tongue and the, and the, and the, 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 the larynx? Pharynx? Um, we have no idea whether that's to take the Wachowskis in 10 or how they could spin it in a new sci-fi way, but it certainly has us thinking. What do you think CN9 can mean? I don't know. What do you think, listeners? What do you think, Miles? You got me. Yeah, I don't know. But whatever it is, um, sounds interesting. It's Wachowskis. I'm, inter- I'm always inter- interested in what they're doing. Um, hope it's good. Man, bring it on. Bring on some more Matrix stuff, man. Bring it on. Bring it oh, on. Yeah. Miles, did you check out this link I put in there, the Star Wars subway car? You'll have to forgive me. I have not yet, but I'm definitely going uh, to. Don't worry on. about it. Don kind of pointed this out. Another story from Don. It, it basically, they reenact the arrest of Princess Leia on the Tanti 4. 4? 5? Tanti 4. Uh, Tanti 4, right? Is that right? I'm going to lose geek cred here. I should know this. But the Tantive, um, you know, when they arrest Princess Leia and bring her before Darth Vader, they reenact this entire scene in a subway car in New York City in front of real people, pedestrians or commuters on that subway. Uh, so basically the blurb here is for a late, uh, this is by Improv Anywhere, I think. Is it, I think it's 
I think that's the group that does it, Improv Anywhere. And for our latest mission, we stage a reenactment of the first Princess Leia Darth Vader scene from Star Wars, A New Hope, on a New York City subway car. The white walls with sliding doors and the train reminded us, reminded us of the rebel ship from the movie, and we thought it would be fun to see how people would react to a, surpri- a surprise appearance by the iconic characters. We spread out actors along the train line, staging it so they would enter the right car at the right time. Enjoy the video first, and then go behind the scenes with photos and report below. Um, we're going to embed the video into the show notes. you got to check this out. It was totally hilarious to kind of watch people react to it. Totally made me yeah, wish I was there. very interesting. Yeah. This looks like fun. Yeah. Miles, why don't you take away, take us into the twist. All right. This week in Star Trek. Uh, two uh, short little news items. Uh, according to Bruce Greenwood, Star Trek uh, 12 shooting to begin January 2011. And uh, I want to thank Chris from Su- Subspace Communications for uh, posting this story. And the full story is on Hollywood.com. Uh, Bruce Greenwood was in attendance for the premiere of his new movie, Dinner for Schmucks. It's a great title. And let slip the filming date for Star Trek 12. We wonder. Hollywood.com was there for the exclusive interview and asked Bruce what he uh, knew about the sequel and whether or not we would see Captain Pike's return. Is there anything to tell us about Star Trek uh, 12? I just know that the plan is to film it in January. More than that, I don't know. But you are in it, right? Well, I hope, I hope. We love Captain Pike. would love to see him again. I'm hustling for it. We'll see. Yeah. Um, we also loved uh, Bruce as uh, Captain Pike. Uh, although short, his uh, on-screen dialogue with Chris Pine was pure Trek magic, and we hope for his uh, return the sequel. Absolutely. Well, as long as uh, he... Yes, we, we want him back. Uh, as long as he can give us more than well, one beep for yes and two beeps for no. Um, and uh, in other news... Well, uh, before we, you go on, just, can I just comment on that? That, of course, is a whole illusion. We were talking about Kevin Dilmore's suit that Think Geek created. I mean, that's what they're talking about, the one beep for yes and two beeps for no. Um, I, you know, when, when they talk about Chris Pine and him, I love that bar scene. That, com- that speech oh. he gives is just incredible. Incredible. Oh, absolutely. So, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, well, the relationship between uh, Obi Wan and, and Luke Skywalker. Absolutely, um, and it might as well be. But, that. I, think, but I, it, I think that this might become iconic in itself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead and give us your next piece of Trek news. Uh, we talked about um, uh, uh, this before. A Virgin Galactic um, it, flagship. Um, aptly named Enterprise embarked on its first crewed flight uh, July the 15th. The ship remained attached to its mothership, the, the VMSE, for the duration of the six-hour, 12-minute flight. Crew members uh, Peter uh, Seibold and Michael uh, Alsbury evaluated all the, the spaceship systems and functions from end to end in the air. According to Virgin Galactic's website, the mission was a success and, or as they reported, objectives achieved. With the VSS Enterprise announcement last year revealing its iconic name, Virgin Galactic has been on a roll completing Enterprise's first captive carry flight in March of this year. VSS Enterprise is the first... Oh, I just lost your voice. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, ...ferry tourists into suborbital flight. Flight. The first of its kind, and then returned gliding to Earth and landing in the New Mexico desert. Uh, born out of uh, Ansara uh, X Prize, X Prize, and Bert uh, Rutten's uh, scaled composites, uh, VSS Enterprise earned its name from Star Trek as a close cousin to the X Prize winning spaceship, Spaceship One, which now resides in the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, and uh, I, we always uh, love the private the privatization of space, right? I, personally, I think it should go there. Um, I think um, 
you know, th- this is a whole debate about whether, you know, should still, you know, send, send the shuttle up and everything like that. But if, if, um, if, if the corporations want to get into the space race, I, I say let them. Right. Well, so thank you again, Miles, for bringing us this week in Star Trek. Before we go into our interview with Chris from, Christoph from the Leviathan Chronicles, I want to bring you another promo from another podcast from the Lifestyle Pod Network, and that is Podcasters Emporium. If you are a podcaster and want to find out some tricks and, and ways to enhance your podcast, you've got to check out Podcasters Emporium. G'day, I'm Dave Gray. Are you a new show or a relatively new show that's trying to make your podcast sound great? Then you need to listen to Podcasters Emporium, a podcast that's by podcasters for podcasters. We'd be happy for you to join our community and be a part of what we call Podcasters Emporium. Join myself and James Williams as we explore podcasting and all its greatness. You can check out the show at podcastersemporium.com. Immortality longevity, an endless lifespan, watching civilizations rise and fall. What would you do to become immortal? My name is McAllen Orsel. I'm a genetic scientist in New York. I'm caught in a secret war between two powerful groups of immortals. I've been told that I am a messiah to a group of people I barely know. I'm forced on a quest around the globe to fulfill a destiny I never chose. If only I can stay alive. From Christoph Leputka comes The Leviathan Chronicles, an audio adventure like you've never heard before. What is Leviathan? I'll tell you as much as I know. We have been among you for almost a millennium. What? Immortal? I can't know about Leviathan. Die! We're hitting crush that Blow those charges. No! Nothing this big has ever moved that fast underwater. I have no tolerance for your lack of commitment. Why have you brought me here? You are here because we need your help. The man you met earlier was named Whit Roberts. I believe her condition is the result of an attack. He's a liar and an assassin. You are going to tell me what I want to know. She was never trained for this. She was bred for it, Anton. Well, she doesn't know that. The only question is... You'll need to find the key, McAllen. How much damage are we going to do in the meantime? To discover the Leviathan Chronicles and get the next dimension in podcasting, go to www.leviathanchronicles.com. Immortality or freedom, which would you choose? Ladies and gentlemen, today we will be talking with someone who has helped to take a lost art through the internet and make it popular again, that being the radio audio drama. I know for myself, my grandfather listened to such uh, uh, dramas as Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, which captivated him and thousands of others who listened to it. Today we bring the author of his own radio audio drama, and I think it's just as captivating, if not more so, for we are talking with uh, Mr. Christoph Lapuka creator and producer of the Leviathan Chronicles. Um, and if you've heard on our show, we had interviewed him about a month ago, but uh, technical difficulties, we, we lost the show. And Mr. Lapuka has been kind enough uh, to join us again and talk about the Leviathan Chronicles. Uh, Christoph, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Scott. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's great to be here. Well, and it was, it's good to have you back. I feel like I'm connecting with an old friend here. <laughs> you know, it's seriously, that's what we, we've been, we've been kind of conversing here for the past 15 minutes and it's sort of like, it's like, well, you know, we should start the podcast. We're going to begin covering stuff that our listeners will want to hear anyways. And 
I was I was so settling nice in. Fun. I was going to pour myself some scotch. I was like, oh, this is uh, this feels like old times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. Scotch might make the show a little bit more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need it after a day like today. That's all I'm saying. Chris. I did. I did. I was, uh, <laughs> I was traveling back from uh, from Seattle, and I took the red eye. And, um, uh, it was one of these really, really, uh, nasty red eyes where you leave at midnight from Seattle, you arrive in Chicago at 5.30 in the morning, but the actual flight's only three hours. And then you're switching planes in Chicago and that got delayed. And, um, yeah, I'm ready for uh, a little scotch or tequila. <laughs> Maybe even both, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, this could turn into a very colorful podcast. Right, right, right. A very interesting one you know, uh, nonetheless. Like. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you were in Seattle, uh, visiting, uh, rumor has it you were in Seattle visiting with some of, uh, our good friends or people that we've had on the show before. That's absolutely true. I was, uh, I was talking with the Star Trek Phoenix guys, uh, Leo Roberts and, uh, uh, and his awesome crew. And, uh, for your viewers that, that don't know, uh, Star Trek Phoenix is a film production crew. Actually, Temporal Studios is a, uh, is a production, uh, production group out of Seattle and they produced a, fan fiction called Star Trek Phoenix, but uh, saying it's fan fiction is, is completely not doing it justice. Uh, uh, about a year ago, I actually went to the set. Um, they had a location shoot. I mean, think about the fan fiction had a location shoot where they rented out um, or they're given permission to shoot in one of Seattle's parks, and they pretty much had it to themselves, where they had about 80 people there, stunt men, prop people, costume people, makeup people, two camera crews, um, you know, a, a whole, you know, a, a whole host of actors. Um, very, very, very serious stuff. Full CGI effects. Uh, pretty awesome. Check it out at stphoenix.com. But I was, um, I was out there because we were just, um, kind of talking about how to bring Leviathan to the screen. Um, you know, if there is a way, what that way should be. Um, uh, they have great uh, filmmaking chops, and and I think I'm a good storyteller, so I thought it was a good idea for us to kind of talk and exchange some ideas and see, um, you know, maybe maybe strategize and see if there's some way that, uh, you know, Leviathan can uh, can grow into more than, uh, than the great audio drama that it is. And um, right, does it look like there's possibilities? Um, yeah, it's probably way too early to, to kind of say right. anything, but it's, um, um, but we, you heard it here. He said it. Yes. We're going to be actively pursuing some avenues. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about how we're going to market it and, um, what's, what I've tried to do very differently in Leviathan Chronicles, uh, despite the fact that it's a, it's a podcast, it's an audio drama, but to, to give it. Um, a very visual feel, uh, we spent a lot of time on our website, uh, and that's at leviathanchronicles.com. And, uh, there you, you really get some, some pretty dramatic images of some of the different scenes, some of the different, um, uh, equipment, some of even a little bit of the characters that are featured in Leviathan Chronicles. Uh, and where that becomes effective is when you're trying to market it to somebody, um, we already have a lot of um, uh, a lot of promotional pieces in place. We can use a lot of the, um, the 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 graphical assets that we have to put together a cool looking press kit to put in, put in something that's a little bit more attention grabbing than just you know here listen to my podcast. You know here you can see elements of it. So we we hope that that's going to be going to be helpful. So the website in a way becomes an extension of of the show. It really does. You know, it's kind of like you get into this world, you want to find out more about it, and you go in and get a little bit of backstory, find out a little bit more about the ships and all that. Yeah, it's um, it, it's been a really good promotional piece. I mean, we, my my team and I spent um, a lot of 
time and resources uh, redoing the website uh, in anticipation of our season finale. So for your listeners that, that aren't familiar with Leviathan Chronicles, we, we just finished our first season um, a few weeks ago. Uh, that's all 25 episodes, um, and each episode is uh, about 45 minutes to an hour long. Our season finale was actually a, a double episode. Um, and to kind of commemorate that, we relaunched our website, um, you know, and, and, and redesigned it pretty extensively while still trying to keep some of this underwater flavor, uh, that, that we had in our first, uh, in our first iteration of our website. And I wanted a website that would be more interactive. So I created a blog section where I kind of talk about my traveling, uh, Leviathan blog section where people can read about kind of what's going on behind the scenes, um, and just make it, a, a better a better focal point for the community. We have a forum section where people can exchange ideas and and ask questions to me, the author, about either stuff that they didn't understand or theories that they have. And we've been uh, pretty successful with it. Um, I think people like it. Uh, we have a, a store now where people can buy some Leviathan apparel. They can buy some of the um, some of the beer mugs that are actually featured in Leviathan Chronicles. There's a there's a bar where all the immortals hang out at called the Salty Squid, and you can buy. Salty squid beer mugs and salty squid t-shirts. We try to make them look like a real bar. You know, if you went to like the Black Dog in Nantucket or like any of these old famous dive bars that have t-shirts, we try to model this bar t-shirt like, like it's an authentic place. Like it's real on the back. It says, you know, Marianas Trench, uh, Pacific Ocean. Like, you know, like it's a real location. People have been there. Um, so we, in everything we're doing with Leviathan, we really strive for as much realism as possible. We want you to feel like the story is going on around you. It's here. It's just lying secret below the surface. And there could be an immortal that you know. And uh, and that's the idea. Very awesome. Well, Miles, I know you're going to get a question here, Edwides. But list, uh, um, w- one of the things we probably should establish here, Miles, uh, don't you agree that we should probably – Asking him to explain a little bit, what is Leviathan Chronicles? We were talking about it, we're around, we're referencing stuff here, but um, for listeners who may not have gone out and sought out the podcast, even though we played the promo on our show, we probably should give a little bit of a background. Don't you think, Miles? I, I agree. Um, but before we do that, uh, Christoph, tell us about yourself. I mean, I think there's a lot of yourself kind of in Leviathan Chronicles. It's true. Sure. Um, well, I, I kind of had a, a – a, uh, a windy road to, to podcasting. I, I've spent most of my career in finance, uh, working on Wall Street. And, uh, my, my ambition, my secret ambition for a long time was always to be a writer. And, uh, you know, and as I started to become a huge fan of Scott Sigler, JC Hutchins, Mer Lafferty, um, uh, Seth Harwood, and all these great podcasting authors, you know, I saw it, 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 in addition to enjoying their work, it was a really empowering, um, medium because it's like, wow, they're getting their work heard. I mean, forget about the money, forget about publishing your books. They're, they're getting their work heard by an audience. And I said, you know, this is, this is the time to start writing your science fiction book. Let's start writing Leviathan Chronicles. It was in me for a long time. And, um, uh, and it was really inspired by a lot of the scuba diving that I've done and a lot of the, 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 the traveling I've done to, I, I try and seek out off the beaten path locations to travel to and uh leviathan kind of came out of, of a lot of that but when i when i started writing and recording leviathan i said you know there's something missing here we can make this better what if we got actors to read all the different parts what if we got a lot of like new york rock bands and put a really mature um punk rock theme to it what if we got really kick-ass sound effects what if we just hired a movie production company to see how good um, uh, the sound effects could be. And that was really the experiment with the first couple episodes of Leviathan. We said, look, 
let's create a podcast with, you know, I didn't even know what the term audio drama was at the time. I just said, let's just try and make this with, you know, with all the bells and whistles. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how much time it takes. Let's just see how good we can make something sound for four episodes. And let's just see, you know, if this is something that, that we, that we like, that's engaging, that sounds good. And, you know, once we did it, we're like, wow, this, this could be really great. Not a lot of people seem to be doing this right now. And that's really how, Leviathan Chronicles grew. So Leviathan Chronicles is the story of, um, of a group of immortals that live deep under the ocean of the Marianas Trench, uh, in a, um, uh, in a civilization called Leviathan. And, uh, a civil war breaks out between the two groups of immortals where one group wants to essentially secede, rebel, and live amongst humanity. Uh, the other group wants to keep their existence secret. So a war breaks out between the two of them and one woman, McCallan Orsel, uh, a woman living in present day New York who's a genetic scientist, um, um, has the ability or, or the key to kind of bring these two um, warring factions back together. But a, uh, an evil government organization called the Black Door Group becomes aware of the existence of these immortals that uh, that are, are very powerful and then seeks to destroy them. So it's kind of this three-way war that's going on across the world, different locations. And um, we put out 25 episodes so far, and we're, we're really proud of what we've been able to do so far. Awesome. Well, so this has been – so what listeners, when they go into the feed and iTunes or go to the site, they get the first 25. It's actually more because of the double episodes, but but the, the first 25 chapters of it. And uh, is it true that we have another 25 left to yeah, come? Yeah. Um, so right now we've had 25 episodes of Leviathan that comprise season one. That's out and available for iTunes for free. Um one of the things that we learned in doing season one was we really need to have um, less of a lag time between dropping episodes. And so in order to solve that, we've decided we're not going to release any of season two, which is the, the last 25 episodes until all of the season is completed. And we're going to start, we, the, the scripting is, uh, is well underway right now. We're going to hopefully go into production in the fall and we hope to have it ready, um, in the first quarter of 2011. And when we drop the first episode, uh, essentially chapter 26, uh, you're going to have a new episode coming out every two weeks without fail because all the episodes, the entire season is completed. But you'll also have the option of getting the entire season at once um, for um, uh, you'll be able to pay to get the entire season at once. So if you want to listen for free, you think podcasting should be free. That is awesome. We love having you. You'll continue to get Leviathan for free as it always has and always will be. But if you don't want to wait every two weeks to hear the entire season, you will have the option of paying and hearing the entire season at once, plus a little bit of extra content, more of a director's cut, where we'll have maybe uh, two or three hours of additional content as well. Um, but we also want some content to be available for all of our great listeners in this interim season between now and then. So between then, we are doing two things. Right now, we're in the interim season, and that means we release mini episodes and um, and soapboxes once a week or once every two weeks. And the mini episodes are smaller, five-minute Leviathan episodes that are primarily narration-based um, or have kind of light effects to them, um, as well as soapboxes, which are kind of behind-the-scenes podcasts between uh, myself, Nobi Nakanishi, who's the director of Leviathan, and um, and if we have special guests. In addition to that, we're also going to be releasing special edition episodes. And what those are are wholly original hour to two hour long audio dramas uh, that are related 
to the storyline of Leviathan, but not necessarily essential to them. Um, and we're hoping to have uh, the first two of those out probably in the next six weeks. And those are going to be av- available for sale on our website for $1.99. Um, and uh, the first the first one is going to be called Internal Affairs. That is a podcast written by me, and it's kind of a Black Door-focused uh, episode. And then you're also going to be getting um, a really, really cool episode written by Nobi um, called The Dramatist, and it's a really, really cool concept. Um, that uh, it's a period piece. It's in the 30s, but uh, I don't want to say too much more about it because the, the concept's really cool, and I don't want to spoil it. And that's going to be available on our website as well in about six weeks. Awesome, awesome. And what a way to, you know, again, a way to help support what you guys are doing. But, yeah, but- I, I hope so. I mean, I, I think that, you know, my my goal, I as I mentioned before, I used to be in finance, and uh, and I left because I wanted to pursue this as fully as possible. I mean, if I, if I have a dream, it'd be to create an audio drama production company and, um, uh, to make enough money with Leviathan that I can create two more titles and have them going on simultaneously as well and bring on more writers and, um, uh, and bring on more actors. And, you know, everybody that's involved with Leviathan right now is paid. Our actors are paid. Our sound engineers are paid. Our musicians are paid. Um, our director is paid. And, uh, and by being able to support us through purchasing uh, some of these great special edition episodes that are coming out, they're really, really great episodes. Um, for $1.99, it's not a huge price point, uh, but it really goes a long way towards not just um, helping support all these artists, but also sending a message out there to the podcasting world that, hey, if the content is good enough and uh, and you've given most of it away for free, people will support you. Um, that. You know, a lot of people think that nobody will ever pay for podcasting. Podcasting can't make any money. And, and it's true. It is, uh, you know, it is kind of hard to figure out the right business plan and not a lot of people have been able to do it. But, um, but I think quality audio drama has got one of the best shots right now on the internet right. to, um, to kind of become a, a self-supporting medium. And, uh, and I hope Leviathan's gonna, gonna be, be helpful in establishing that. Yeah. Well, I know that the, uh, I know, uh, I know, that I'm interested in when you release the next 25 chapters. Uh, I don't know about you, Miles, but I'm, uh, I hate waiting. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I think that I'm, uh, I think I'm going to be inclined to pick up those CDs or pay to get the downloads early or something like that. So, yeah, I just listened to, uh, episode 25, part one, two again. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely itching to hear the rest, but, uh, I'll shell out four bucks to, uh, hear, hear some uh, more <laughs> Leviathan Chronicles. Awesome. I, I like hearing that, guys. I very much appreciate that. Well, you know, it's, and it, it, I think the thing that, um, that our listeners really need to get that you guys out there that are listening to us really need to get that this is, this is, this is this type of stuff that, uh, it is better than a lot of the audio CDs that you would go out to Barnes and Noble and buy and a lot of that stuff. Many of those are not dramatized to this level. Um, and the storytelling of the Lyoth and Chronicles is just, this is damn good. I mean, that's just it. And, uh, I think one of the things, uh, we had asked this question in the prior interview that has gone to the netherworld, um, is, is it this, the Wyathon really has a lot in it. There's, there's a little bit of romance in there. There's some historical fiction. You have sci-fi, but there's this whole, you mentioned Black Door. I mean, Black Door really is this almost the CIA black ops group that's kind of functioning that's behind right. the scene. Um, you know, this whole political intrigue and conspiracy. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot in this. Well, we've uh, that's 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 excitement. Uh, right, right, right. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Our, our vote is enthusiastic. 
If you heard me panting, that was uh, when, when you give me praise for Leviathan, I just uh, – <laughs> Right, 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 right. <laughs> Scratch you behind the ears, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Black Door Group is a, a nefarious group within the CIA, and the idea behind it is that there's a, uh, a hallway deep within the CIA uh, with 20 doors, 20 black doors. And, uh, and it's so secret that the activities behind, uh, one door are not known by the other doors. So it's kind of like this idea of boxes within boxes. And, uh, um, and because they're, they're so secret, there's very little oversight. So they kind of have the freedom to pursue a lot of different agendas within the intelligence field. And when they learn about the existence of these immortals, they view it as a threat to U.S. sovereignty because there is this group now that is, uh, is not beholden to, um, uh, the geopolitical uh, strength of the U.S. There, uh, you know, if you live to be a thousand years old, you would be incredibly wealthy. Now imagine there's a population of uh, of a few thousand of people just like you. So now you see this this group that really has the economic power to influence world events. Uh, they have technology that is uh, uh, superior to that in the U.S. And all of a sudden, you can feel awfully threatened by them. So one of the black doors takes it upon itself to really declare war. Uh, against the immortals, against the community of Leviathan. Um, and what, what kind of makes the Black Door group, uh, fun, fertile ground to be writing in is, um, you know, all these activities within the Leviathan Chronicles in season one really have to do mainly with door number 12, um, which is, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, the, uh, the worst of the Black Doors. But in the first special edition episode, Internal Affairs, dropping in about six weeks, uh, we actually go behind door number 20. Uh, which is obviously the internal affairs unit of Black Door, and uh, and so you can imagine it's a, it's a pretty fun story to tell. That's awesome. Well, you know, and that's the, one of the things that seem to be coming out in Leviathan Chronicles about Black Door is that uh, those factions aren't always together. I mean, those those doors they with their different agendas clash with each other. Exactly, and um, um, you know, it's it, it's hard to know. You know, if what they're doing, if, if the ends justify the means, and that's always been a, a question of, a question in, in all of military policy, right? I mean, you know, do we, do, you know, do we torture terrorists? You know, we know it's the wrong thing to do, but, you know, some people believe that, you know, if it saves lives, the, the ends justify the means. What, you know, how far do we want our intelligence community to go? to uh, to keep us safe and you know the, the black door group obviously represents the far fringe of that um and uh you know that doesn't mean that everybody is is of the same opinion and that's why you do have these clashes as they work in different sectors one group deals with um uh cryptography another group deals with uh, electronic intelligence and cyber terrorism another group um kind of deals with certain regions dealing with uh, african security asian security um and um uh it's kind of fun to see you know, when these different groups kind of overlap in each other's turf and, and the fights that come out of it. Right, right. That's a story by itself. <laughs> well, everybody, I've gotten the question, what are you going to do after Leviathan Chronicles? And, and the answer is, uh, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty more ground to, to write on. But right now, our biggest priority is getting, uh, some, some new episodes out during the interim season and, uh, and getting season two ready and, uh, available for everybody in the beginning of 2011. Awesome. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's great. I think, I think, I mean, that's where, you, that's where your focus has to be. And then beyond that, uh, you'll re, you'll get there when you uh, get there, I guess. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, now how much research, you, you, you tell a pretty varied world. I mean, you, you, you take us all around the globe. 
You know, what? and uh, what sort of research did you have to do to get into the Leviathan Chronicles or was it um, personal experience? Where, where is this coming from? Well, the, the story behind Leviathan Chronicles really came to me when I was doing some scuba diving in the Cayman Islands. I'm a, I'm a big diver. I've been diving for 20 years and, um, and we were doing some cave diving off of uh, Grand Cayman and we were going into this, uh, this cavern where, um, uh, the difference in cave and cavern lighting is in cavern, you typically still have a little bit of light coming in through some, some cracks, uh, on the side of the wall. And we got into this, like, this chamber, this beautiful, uh, sunlit chamber with a sandy bottom and this gorgeous rock on the side. And it's so pinned up, pin drop quiet, except for your bubbles coming up. And you get into this little room and I just realized that like, if I bite it here, if I die, like no one's going to find you. I mean, I was with, I was buddy diving, so there would have been somebody there, but like, this is such a hidden pocket of the earth. And this is, you know, I'm in the Cayman Islands. I'm not the first guy to discover that cave. Uh, there's been like plenty of people, uh, there's a dude that probably takes tourists there every Sunday, but, but the point is like, if this exists here, you know, in, you know, in under 150 feet of water, what exists a thousand feet, 10,000 feet, 30,000 feet underwater? I mean, it made, it was so clear to me that there are still areas of the earth, most of, you know, most of which are underwater that no person has been to. These are areas that are completely untouched by man. And when you start off with that premise that there could be these, these, these mysterious little, little pockets then that became really great fertile ground to talk about science fiction and mystery because it's believable because we don't we literally don't know what's there we're constantly discovering new life forms new new fish new bacteria um that that are existing in the deep sea and i wanted to kind of do a science fiction story that would be reasonably plausible and that's kind of how leviathan leviathan came out um and I started listening to podcasting when I was working at finance, when I, was, when I had my job back on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a job that, you know, I, I particularly enjoyed a lot of the time. And when I was, I would listen to podcasting on my walk to work, um, it was about a 20 minute walk each way. And you'd listen to some of these great podcasts by, you know, by the people we've talked about, Scott Sigler, Merle Lafferty, Children of the Gods by Chris Mack, um, uh, and you really transport you someplace else. I mean, that was the, the wonderful part of it. Um, and I said, I want to do that. I want to be able to create a podcast that's so visceral, that has such good effects, where hopefully the, the, the storytelling is great, but also the actors and the music can really take people someplace else. And, and even more specifically, I want to take them around the world. I want to create a very strong sense of place. I want you, Scott, to be in the slums of Mumbai. I want to take you miles, 10,000 feet underwater to feel the claustrophobia, the cold, the dark. I need to take people to these places that they might not, you know, ever get the chance to go to in their normal lives. And if I can do that, then that's an awesome story to tell. And, um, and so we've always tried to, um, focus a lot on, on travel and, uh, and a sense of locale in Leviathan Chronicles. And we have, um, we start off the story in, uh, well, we start off the story actually in the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest point of the Earth's ocean in the South Pacific. But then we start to have location, uh, I call them location shoots in, uh, in New York. And then we go to Alaska and then we're, um, in India and then in London. And, and we try to mix it up. We try to do posh parties in London, the slums of India, um, you know, some of the, the remote islands in Japan, um, and, uh, and really make it, uh, kind of interesting. And of course the season finale, a lot of it happens in the high mountains of Tibet. So, um, you know, we've really tried to, um, make sure that people feel like they're, they're being transported when they listen to Leviathan. As a listener, I, I, I think you, you succeed in that. I definitely feel like 
I've been to these places, you know, through your, you know, vicariously through the, through your characters, um, you know, in the deepest, darkest ocean and, uh, in these exotic places. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's been a great ride so far. It, it's really been a, a fun challenge to, to try and think about ways to push the genre. I mean, like, and, and I mean that, like, we want to, take chances with audio drama in, in what we're doing. Like one of the first things we were going to do was um, one of the first scenes in Leviathan people listen to is on a Chinese submarine called the High Tenshi. And it's a, it's a very advanced submarine that we discover uh, much later on is, uh, is, is constructed partially with some alien technology. And, uh, and it's uh, and we, what we wanted to do. We had, we hired Chinese actors to, to read the parts, but what's, you know, what, what's sort of hard is there's certain accents that that almost sound comical like doing if i asked you to do an asian accent right now like it, it would almost sound like a parody and that's just unfortunately that's like one of those you know paradigms we have in our head with you know with an asian accent it sounds you know it, it's very easy if you don't do it the right way to sound goofy like right for lack of a better lack of a better way to put it and um and so originally what we're going to do is we're going to do – we're trying to do audio subtitles. We're going to have them read all the parts in Chinese and just dub down the volume when they start and have English over it. So it would be really – we wanted to, to just bump up the authenticity of the scene. And so we actually spent a lot of time recording it that way in Chinese. And then when we dubbed in the English, the soundscape just got a little too hectic. But but I'm glad that we tried it. You know, I'm glad that we right. that, that we did that. Um you know, I wanted to see if we could make a motorcycle chase scene sound really good in, in, you know, in audio. Um, that was kind of, kind of fun. How do you make a kung fu fight sound really, um, you know, really active, really visceral to how to keep it fast paced using audio drama? Um, and those are some of the things that we, you know, we, we, we try and do is to think of things that people haven't heard before, um, in, you know, in their podcasts and, and see if we can really bring those to life. Oh, and I think that there's no doubt that, that you did it in this first 20, 25 episodes. And I think that's one of the things that I liked about Leviathan is, uh, and I've been liking about it and, uh, and hope to continue to see is, uh, that it's innovative and it's not afraid to kind of take risks or take chances and say, let's try this. Let's see how this works. You put it in and I think many times you carry it off pretty well. I, I, that means so much to me. I really, yeah. really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah. and we're not, uh, Miles and I talked about it. It's not something that we're just kind of blowing smoke. We, uh, you know, it is, it is, and I've been listening to some of the other podcasts and, and the Star Wars one is, is exceptional as well as we mentioned. I don't know if we mentioned it while we were podcasting here, but, um, just as a side note, you, Chris had mentioned, uh, Miles and I are, I actually, I don't think you mentioned it. We were listening to one of your soapboxes and you mentioned that these guys, Star Wars in the shadows, uh, audio drama. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. We gotta get those guys so on good. time. Yeah, it is. They, 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 he's so talented. Uh, Danny Pepin, who who puts it together, so talented. Their stuff is, you know, I, I think some of the best audio drama out there. So compelling, and yeah. I mean the the production values are just stellar. I mean yeah. they do an amazing job. That's such a great listen. Yeah, and it's uh it's, it's right on it's right on par with uh it's right on par uh, with what with, with what you're doing, Chris. So so it's uh. Compliment to them and uh, you guys, and for I think really raising the bar in the audio drama field. Yeah, we. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like some of the some of the things we tried and we got and we got wrong. Um, we always try and push boundaries in Leviathan, but that doesn't mean that you know everything we try necessarily works. We uh, we had a really cool sequence uh, where we kind of get into the origin story of Anton and Othello, these two 
immortals that are sort of blood brothers. And uh, their their origin takes us back to the Crimean War. And and Othello's father was um, uh, was a was a was kind of a poppy field farmer, and uh, in the Carpathian Mountains, and and uh, in brought in the British, and it just didn't work. I mean, it was like someone was telling you a story, and it was some really distractive gunfire outside your house. Like it didn't sound like we captured the feeling of the war and and history and 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 the feel. We just were like, yeah, man, this just doesn't work. <laughs> like this is like slowing down the pace of the podcast like i just hit a speed bump and i want to get past this to get back to the main story in the present and we ended up cutting most of that um so sometimes we try stuff and well, it doesn't always work the way we hope it will but but that's the fun of trying that's what makes audio drama so cool is you can you know there's always something new to try well and some of that stuff ends up making good mini episodes you know yeah, very good point that's exactly yeah. right and yeah. I, I was gonna ask you actually are we going to see any mini episodes uh, regarding the harlequin um Yes, uh, there is a podcasting author who um, I'm not sure I can reveal yet, no, but it's fine. one of the uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the top three podcasting authors um, out there right now. And uh, and this author has very kindly agreed to um, uh, help me write one of the scripts. And we talk about one of, you know, I, I said there's like you know five different ideas I'm trying to pursue in the special edition chapters and uh the one that really that this author really connected with was the origin story between Evangeline and Harlequin and you go back in uh in the 16th century um to kind of see how they first meet and I think you're going to be very surprised by who Harlequin was I have my own theory on that but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens I, I I want to hear the theory. Can't leave me hanging like oh, that. Oh, can't. Okay. Well, who, 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 who you think you are, Christopher? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 People I, hang. I, I, well, I explain it to Miles when you were offline. I mean, if you stayed with us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No. Uh, so my theory is that this has to uh, be with that he is one of the people um, that we encounter in the backstory when we first meet Evangeline and the Starstone and. And everything else. Very, very interesting. So, yeah, yeah. Not that you can tell me anyways. That you're going to listen to my theory <laughs> no, and then leave me not, hanging. But I'm, in, but I'm intrigued by that. I've actually, right, 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 right. Yeah, there, there have been, I, I will completely admit, there have been a couple times when people, uh, it actually just happened to me the other day where I got a, a really awesome uh, fan fan letter from somebody um, and they're like, hey, you know, I want to see if my theories are right. And they um, they put together one theory and one of the things that that nobody has touched on is there is a mysterious pair um of of elder a mysterious elderly couple that appears throughout season 1 and no one you know and I tried to make it pretty subtle um and no one's kind of picked up on it or talked about it and this one uh this one woman who wrote into me totally did and and uh, it's kind of a mystery who they are and she came up with a theory and I was like Damn, that's a good theory. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I wish I had written it that way, but um, but it's it's kind of cool. Um, it, awesome. It's interesting seeing what different people pick up on. Like some people will write to me about stuff that you know, uh, focusing on one character. But Harlequin seems to be pretty pretty popular. People like him, and and um, uh, and the actor who plays him is uh, is just fantastic. He does such a good job with it. Yeah, Miles, you had a question for him. sure. Um, you- the listing it's 45 minutes an episode, sometimes longer, uh, 26 episodes. That's including the 20, episode 25 two-parter. Mm-hmm. A 20-hour audiobook. How does it benefit authors 
like yourself to give such a high-quality production away for free. Not that we mind, mind you. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard. Um, there's – there's – I think there's a model out there where people, I think, will pay if they know that something is very professional and very good. And we've always tried to treat Leviathan like we're shooting a movie for the ears. And originally I had an idea that we were going to give away the first episode, first four episodes and then, and then charge for them. And I started speaking to some other people in the podcasting world and they're like, you're going to self-destruct. Don't do it, Christoph. And I'm so glad I listened to them. They're like, you need to build up an audience first. And the only way to do that was to, to really, to really give away the first season for free. Um, but, but I think that was the smartest thing I've done because I want to keep giving Leviathan away for free, despite the fact that, you know, it, it is expensive to, to create it. And, and at this point right now, I'm bankrolling it. Um, but it's, um, it's number one by doing something like this. I think I've, I've tried to at least distinguish Leviathan from some of the other stories that are out there. I think by going the audio drama route, it is, you know, a, a magnitude greater of difficulty to bring your your work to life. But the podcasting, the audio book field has gotten so crowded now that I think it's a really great way to distinguish your work. More importantly, I think that audio drama specifically has the best chance of being commercially successful within the patio book sphere. I mean, when, um, when JC Hutchins, who is such an amazing, like a 10 times more talented author than I'll ever be, drops out of podcasting because he said, look, th this model where let me podcast my work for free and then hopefully get a book deal, you know, where, where the, the model was that I'm going to podcast my work for free and hopefully get a book deal out of it. Like that only works for 1% of the people. And, and we've kind of gotten away from this basic idea that, well, what if you sold what what if the podcast wasn't a medium for promoting something else? What if your product is the actual podcast? So my theory, and I could be completely wrong on this, and I could go down on such a huge ball of flame, but my idea is I want to give Leviathan away for free. I want to make it the best audio drama people have heard, and it shouldn't always be free. However, if you want to get a little bit of additional storyline, and the way that I think about it is like if you saw Star Wars for free, would you be willing to pay a little bit to learn more about how Yoda first became a Jedi and has heard his origin story or, you know, be there and, and hear about the card game or where Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon? Like, yeah, I think Star Wars is a cool enough movie that you got me. I, I got the product for free. I like it. I'd like to pay to, 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 to get a little bit more. Um, and that's what I'm hoping people do. I really hope people will support us. With our special edition episodes that are going to be coming out very shortly, um, for a dollar ninety nine a piece, and you know I think that's, I think that's a good price point. I know some other audio drama has been going at a much higher price point, or closer to you know five to ten or or, or more dollars. And you know I I get where they came up with that number. Um, I know some guys that started off with like one episode and wanted to charge for it. And it's expensive. It, it is it is a real cost. People would be surprised at, at how much it necessarily is. Um, and you want to make that money back really quickly. Um, and that's why some people have been charging really high numbers. I don't want to do that. I want to make my money in volume. Uh, my hope is that we're successful enough with Leviathan to launch 
um, some other titles as well and really make audio drama something that that's viable because right. if I'm successful at this, the most the greatest thing that's going to happen is other people are going to start doing it as well. You're going to see much more audio drama occurring and getting produced if people think that, hey, I can at least pay for my production costs and, and that's going to raise the bar. So that's why I really hope people are going to support it. I mean, it's, it's, it's about me. It's about Leviathan. But, you know, to go on a soapbox, I, I think if we're able to show that it's sustainable, then um, they're just going to see just a, a big universe of great stories being told. Hmm. Well, now, that brings me to just a, maybe a side question here. You mentioned that season two is going to be available as either, uh, I, I assume, an audio download that you pay for all at once. Um, I'm not sure if you really said the format. Um and uh, is season one also going to be in that format? Will we be able to buy the entire season without some of the bumpers and stuff like that? Yeah, that that is going to be uh, that is going to be available. We're working on that uh, as well. The um, uh, we're going to create a director's cut of season one. That's hopefully going to be out before the end of the year. Where um, not only will you be able to kind of listen to all of season one in a straight listen, uh, but we're also going to add some additional content. Um, mainly, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about McCallum's parents and give them a little, and it kind of flesh that out a little bit more. Um, uh, so there'll be hopefully about another two to three hours of content in that. And we're also going to be, you know, for lack of a better term, cleaning up some of the mistakes that I feel or things we could have done better in the early chapters, um, cleaning up some of the music to make it sound a little bit more consistent. Um, there's uh, certain quality issues that you may not hear, but but I do. We're just kind of making it a director's cut. Um, right. and, and, you know, we, we started Leviathan over two years ago. So... Um, uh, you know, we've, we've learned a lot since then. <laughs> so we're trying to make it all a little bit more consistent. So that's something that's going to be available for people to purchase, um, hopefully by the end of the year on our website, LeviathanChronicles.com. Very cool. We're looking forward to it. And a- any chance we'll see Leviathan Chronicles ever in print? Um, you know, I'm actually really open to that. Um, uh, you know, if there are any book agents listening to this, uh, give <laughs> give me a call. Um, one mm-hmm. one did uh, a while ago, and um, uh, you know we've kind of gone back and forth, and it's it's a little bit of a it's a trickier transition than one would think to go from uh, from the script format into um, into a book. It's not written like a book. It's not like I'm you know like I'm I'm doing what a lot of the other authors are doing, where I'm just reading reading off the page. We have you know it isn't screenplay format, so. So there's there's a fair bit of work to make it into something that's easily, you know, that it easily works on the page. But it's something I'd actually I'd like to do. Um, you know, if if somebody was uh, if there was a, a publishing house particularly excited about it, I'd you know make the resources available to pursue that. Um, but you know, until that happens, I'm not I, I, I'm not going to use my time right now to kind of go after that. If you gave me the choice of being a living as a author or a living as an audio drama um, producer. I want to be an audio drama producer. I think that's cooler. That's what I want to be. And, um, you know, but those two things may not necessarily need to be mutually exclusive. I think it can be both. Right, right. Is that, is that too much honesty? No, 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 no. I think, I think no, that's no great. No one's going to call me ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, I think that's, I think that's great. I think you're, you're right in saying that you got to go where your passion lies. And the reality is, I mean, if you have the screenplays written, there's no reason why another author who who maybe focuses more on novelization couldn't transform that you know obviously with your guidance but transform that script into a uh, novel you know there's uh, two things here before we uh, wrap up the interview portion and then I do want to talk to you a little bit after um but two things is there anything that you want to tell 
uh, our listeners about Leviathan Chronicles or anything that we, we obviously in there as well, we want your contact info. Where can people find Leviathan Chronicles? But anything else that you want us to know, what we can be looking forward to in the future of Leviathan that we didn't already talk about? Sure. Uh, well, the, the two ways you can get Leviathan right now is go to iTunes and type in Leviathan Chronicles and download our podcast. Please subscribe. Um, uh, and that's available for free on iTunes or you can get it off our website, LeviathanChronicles.com. It's a great website. Uh, you can really explore it and, uh, uh, and learn a lot more about the mythology of Leviathan and, and learn about some of the locations, some of the different uh, vehicles that are used, some of the different people. It's a real universe that you can explore on the website. And it was designed by the same people that created the Harry Potter website for J.K. Rowling. So it has a very rich visual feel. And I hope you guys, uh, we put a lot of work into it, and I hope um, your listeners enjoy enjoy checking it out. So you can get the uh, the episodes there. And, uh, and I can always be contacted at Christoph at Leviathan Chronicles. Dot com. Uh, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F uh, at LeviathanChronicles.com. And I love hearing uh, from everybody. But, um, you know, what right now what you can expect is to continue to get episodes during the interim season. We're uh, going to be releasing one of the mini episodes by the end of this week. That's going to be part two of the Leviathan Orientation Program. And that's a um, an audio program that you hear as you descend into Leviathan for the first time. So imagine, Miles, you're in a Zephyr-class transport vessel, and you're watching out of the porthole window, the sea turning darker and darker until it really finally becomes pitch black, and you can see bioluminescent fish, and you're starting this new life. You're leaving the surface world behind to begin this new life at a city underwater where you're told that, you know, you're immortal, um, that your family is going to disappear and you're going to have a new family. Um, and in that, in that moment, you, um, you hear a, um, uh, an audio program playing and that's the, that's the feed that you're hearing right now. The, um, the Leviathan orientation program is talking to you what you're going to expect when you first arrive, what life is going to be like, what the culture is like. Um, so that's a three part series. Part two of that comes out uh, by the end of this week. Our listeners will also be getting soapboxes, and those are uh, podcasts between Nobi, uh, the director, Nobi Nakanishi, the director of Leviathan Chronicles, and myself. And we open up a couple bottles of wine and uh, whatever uh, liquor du jour is. Uh, we did absinthe. We did uh, tequila one time. And, uh, and we kind of talk about what's going on behind the scenes because a lot is happening. Um, we have um, uh, David Alt, who uh, many of your listeners might know from the Byron Chronicles. Um, he was kind of in New York at the time, so we, we had him as a guest star. Uh, that soapbox will be going next week. So there's always going to be some new content in the Leviathan feed. In addition, you can also get the special edition chapters that we talked about. Those are going to be available for $1.99 on our website in about six weeks' time from now. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm definitely going to be giving you guys a, a promo um, to play when, when those become available. Please do. And um, uh, and we're hopefully going to be launching Season 2 uh, in the early part of 2011. Um, but there's a lot. Stay subscribed to the feed because there's going to be there's going to be content coming out right up until that debut of season two. But it's a great story. Um, it's a story we we kind of describe it as Highlander meets the Abyss. Um, and it's um, you know for those of you that aren't familiar with audio drama before, this is a great you know we think our 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 production is a great way to get your feet wet and see how rich a universe you can experience between your ears because it um you know it can really um it can really take you places. And uh, and I hope the listeners enjoy it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the show with us tonight. 
Absolutely. It's so great to be here. I love talking with you guys. And uh, maybe we'll have to uh, chat a little bit, uh, you know, give us closer to the release of season two. We'll have to have you back on for at least a short bit. Absolutely. That'd be great. we got to have you guys on for the soapbox. Oh, bring us on sometime. We'd love to be oh, there. Cool. So That would be very, very fun. Yeah. But but I, I have very strict rules, though. Anybody that's on there needs to be drinking what Noby and I are drinking. So oh, um, right. All right. we had Pearl Lafferty. Now, this is a good thing. We, we sent her... Um, some of the wine that uh, that we were drinking at the time. So you guys are going to get sent wine from us uh, so you guys can be drinking along with us. That's a very important part of the custom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, we'll be there. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Christoph from the Leviathan Chronicles. And we have not gotten rid of him yet. He's still here, Miles. He's going to be giving us our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Right, Miles? That's right. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, Christoph, you have a really good Sci-Fi 5 and 5. It's going to be a first for this podcast. So tell us, uh, what is what is the topic of our Sci-Fi 5 and 5? Well, I figure we've been talking about audio drama and the sense that music can add to the atmosphere of a podcast, certainly of a science fiction story. So I thought we got to go with top five science fiction soundtracks. Sounds good. So are these in any particular order or are they just the top five? Um, uh, no, because they're each a little bit different. Each, each one does, does something kind of cool. And the first one I'm going to go with is Dune, the original David Lynch Dune. And that was a soundtrack done by Toto. And it had this like big epic feel to kind of go with, um, uh, to go with this, this massive de- dense universe that Frank Herbert came up with the Dune. And it was kind of like a little bit of rock feel, a little bit of, you know, of, uh, of space opera feel to it. Very cool. Uh, the soundtrack to Dune by Toto. Probably my favorite one on this list is Blade Runner. Blade Runner had this incredibly atmospheric, creepy music by Vangelis. Vangelis, who was a composer who won the Academy Award for Chariots of Fire. Um, Blade Runner is probably my all-time favorite science fiction movie just for its atmosphere, its vision, its realism, and the music is a huge part of that. It's slow, it's creepy, it's, um, uh, just has this wonderful eerie feel to go with, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere, the, the, the rainy, depressing atmosphere of a Blade Runner. So cool. Probably my favorite. Um, one of my one of the most fun soundtracks ever was Flash Gordon. That was by Queen. I mean, how do you get more high camp than Queen? Freddie Mercury, you know, you guys remember that, right? It was like Flash. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, it was so great. And so uh uh that's Queen, Flash Gordon, totally fun camp movie. Some people don't like it. I love it. Um can't have a list without Star Wars. London Symphony Orchestra, John Williams, I mean who doesn't get chills up their spines when they hear, you know, the big Star Wars theme, you know, the long scroll uh, coming out in the, you know, um, uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, please edit this better. What was it? What was a scroll? Uh, uh, a New Hope. A New Hope. That's yep. what it is. Yeah, so it's great scroll when you see A New Hope, when you saw Star Wars for the first time. So great. So evocative. Um, that, I think, really helped create the impact that Star Wars had. Uh, last one, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, that was, um, uh, the Steven Spielberg movie, um, still so cool, you know, 30 years later. Um, and it was, and it was a mute, it was, it was, uh, and it was a movie about how music can be a medium between different species, between aliens and humans. Music is universal. Um, so we got to include that in the list as well. Those are five really awesome 
sci-fi soundtracks that um, that really enhance the movies and the stories they're trying to tell. Absolutely. So that's why five and five. Now you know in that uh, I was just thinking with Close Encounters. The moment you said it, I have that that tune just going in my head, like do 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 do. You know, it's like you, just, you can't miss it. I know. Oh man. Well, that's a that's a good vibe. Go ahead, Miles. I'll just say uh, all of them are iconic. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I had the idea, and then I, I had the idea, and I thought of like Blade Runner and Dune, and I was like, uh, I gotta come up with another three. But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, there actually, you know, there definitely is probably more than, than, than the five here. So that was fun to do. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us your sci fi five and five. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Uh, I hope your listeners keep enjoying Leviathan Chronicles, LeviathanChronicles.com, and I uh, hope to see you guys soon. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, Miles, we have got to wrap up the show. We're running long again, as we've been doing, and so much for hour-long podcasts. It seemed to be a thing of the past. Yes. But, uh, Miles, where can they find out about you? Well, uh, I uh, have a Trekspace account. I am Son of Worf at Trekspace. Uh, also, um, I'm on Twitter, Son of Worf at Twitter. You can follow me there, and uh, you, you can kind of uh, find out more about our um, – uh, what we do on our Facebook fan page. Oh, yeah, and we keep getting uh, new fans every week. Uh, we also have a Sci-Fi Diner Twitter and, of course, the website, sci-fi-diner-podcast.com. Uh, uh, new videos are up from Shoreleave, and um, I have some more I need to put up. Uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet, but... Uh, be checking out for news, and of course, the show notes give the show notes give you much more than we can ever give you in a uh, discussion, in our discussion that we have here in the podcast. So check them out as well. And as always, if there's anything that you want to say or share or give your thoughts about what we should be talking about, or you just want our opinion about something, uh, call into the show one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, or email us at the sci fi diner podcast at gmail dot com. And I believe that will take care of it. Oh, my Twitter handle Hertzog. If you want to follow me on Twitter, H E R T Z O G, would love to have you. Uh, check out Think Geek. We love those guys. And I believe that's it. Till then, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. By the way, uh, Miles is in the chat too, I think. Miles, are you hey, there? Miles, how you doing? Hey, Christoph, I'm doing pretty good. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah. Good, good. Good to have you. Yeah, we don't mean to be ignoring you, Miles. We're here just chatting away and, you know. <laughs> you guys talking. And... <laughs> right, right, right. You know, here's lonely Miles all by himself. <laughs> all right, give me a Super second awesome here. Punch. <laughs> Promo for Chris.